Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey folks, another busy week of news to make sense of. The push to overturn Roe v. Wade, a series of pardons by Trump that have raised questions about the process, and newly unredacted Michael Flynn memos. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. The 2020 election is going to matter enormously. All right, so we'll see what happens with this abortion debate. I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot more in the coming weeks and months. Another big issue in recent times, the president's pardon power. So he's pardoned a few people, some of which have been controversial. We should just note to make clear to folks that the pardon power is really one of the most unfettered authorities that the president has in the Constitution. There's basically no review. There's basically no guidance. There are some people who think, and the president himself thinks this, that he can basically pardon anyone in a federal proceeding, anyone for any purpose, including associates, including family members, including himself. He believes he can engage in a self-pardon and that would be lawful. Right. Some people speculate that I don't agree with that, do by that. the way. Do I don't I. think you can self-pardon. But the fact that there is a little bit of debate about that just shows you how broad and discretionary the, the pardon power is. It's, it's one of the broadest powers that the president has. And lots of presidents have used that power. Sometimes I think is in, in, in an abusive way. We should say at the outset, and I've, I've seen some of these people on Twitter when I suggested over the weekend that the pardon power is something that's going to be revisited after Trump leaves office. I'm not suggesting it should be taken out of the Constitution. People say, well, what do you think about Mark Rich? Mark Rich was a you know, wealthy financier who's... Who shouldn't have been pardoned. Should not have been pardoned, whose wife gave money to Bill Clinton. And on his way out the door, Bill Clinton pardoned Mark Rich. Now, I was like, I think, 32 or 31 at the time, just beginning as an assistant U.S. attorney. So I was not in a position on Twitter because it didn't exist to state an opinion. But I totally agreed with the outrage on the part of a lot of people, including, by the way, the Southern District of New York, which at the time was led by Mary Jo White, who in the face and in the wake of that pardon, opened up a criminal investigation of the president who had appointed her, Bill Clinton and others, because of the outrage of that pardon. It's also one of the things... Because it looked like a quid pro quo. Absolutely. Like the money was given by Mark Rich's wife in exchange for the president issuing the pardon. Exactly. And it's one of the things where perfect procedure was not followed. And somebody who later became the attorney general, Eric Holder, the biggest holdup he had in his confirmation hearing was his role as deputy attorney general 
in improving the pardon of Mark Rich. Yes. So it's been abused by other folks too, and I have been vocal about it since. You just hit on one of the things that I think is the biggest problem with how Trump is doing it, but also really one of the biggest challenges with the pardon power, which is extraordinarily broad. And that's process and procedure. And this is where, yes, the president has the power to pardon anyone. And I should also just step back for one second and say a pardon takes away your criminal conviction. So if somebody is incarcerated, they get out and that record is wiped clean. Basically, it totally takes away your conviction. Now, it's different than a commutation of a sentence, which is when somebody's, let's say somebody's given a 20-year sentence and the president commutes that sentence, for example, to 10 years. That means that there's a lengthening of the amount of time that someone's incarcerated. But a pardon is really saying we're taking away that criminal conviction. And that would include if you were incarcerated, you would be released. In terms of process, there's a process that was put in place a number of years ago to have the Department of Justice screen all the pardons. At the time of Lincoln. At the time of Lincoln. So that means so when there's I say a, a number century. Of years First, ago. There, was a, there was a century of just the president just does sort of essentially what he wants. And then they put in the office of the pardon attorney. Which, by the way, is also controversial. There are people on both sides of the aisle who say the Department of Justice should not oversee pardons because they are the people who oversee convictions. They're the ones who are in charge of criminal prosecutions. I actually tend to agree with that, but I think you have to set up then an outside agency or group with a strong process for how you're going to vet applications for pardons and commutations of sentences. What's wrong here and what is so disturbing and I think was also disturbing with Bill Clinton and Mark Rich is that it looks like a friends and family and in the case of Donald Trump, celebrities plan, right? Right. If you're famous, if you're wealthy, if you have access to the president, then, hey, I'm going to give you a pardon. There's no sense of fairness or um, equity. There are millions of people with criminal records in America and Basically, Donald Trump is cherry picking. Conrad Black is a particularly interesting example. He, yeah, tell us about him. So he's, um, you know, he owned a lot of newspapers, um, not just in England, but in other countries. And he is one of Donald Trump's closest friends. He's written a book about Donald Trump. He regularly writes articles saying how wonderful Trump is. He was convicted of obstruction of justice and wire fraud and mail fraud. The case went up to the Supreme Court. And what's interesting about that is the obstruction relates to while he's under a court order saying you cannot destroy documents or take documents, he and his chauffeur at the time go in and take out boxes and boxes of documents from his office. And for that, he is convicted of obstruction of justice. What is another feature of Conrad Black that would cause him to be, he claims, without making a pardon application even, and no process going through the office of the pardon attorney, why would he come to the attention of Donald Trump, who might pardon him? Aside from the fact that they were good friends and he wrote a book praising Donald Trump. Oh. Other than those things, Other than those things. Was there there anything else (laughs) that set him apart from any other person who, by the way, has managed to do fine in the world, notwithstanding his conviction? So Conrad Black was ultimately convicted of obstruction of justice and mail fraud. He was incarcerated. He served his sentence and was subsequently released. He's always contested his conviction. And one of the things we should note is the president even seemed to contest his conviction in issuing the pardon. You know, Conrad Black said it was an unjust prosecution and the president um, seemed to agree, which is surprising and I think very disappointing for the president of the United States to do that. Let's talk about Pat Nolan for a second. Have you met Pat Nolan? No. Okay, so I've met him, and I I have a great deal of respect for him. He was a Republican state legislator who was convicted by the FBI in a racketeering scheme. He was essentially taking bribes. He went to prison for that. He did his time. He then became a leader in the criminal justice reform movement, and he has been, 
I think I met him in 2010 or 2011. I would argue he's one of the reasons that the conservatives have come so strongly into the criminal justice reform space. And so he, in my view, deserves a lot of credit for his work in criminal justice reform. But I have to oppose his pardon as well, because there's absolutely no process. The president can't just pick people who Jared and Ivanka, in the case of Pat Nolan, bring to him and say, this guy's a really good guy. Yeah, I mean, they can. They can. And the president can, which is why I think this will be one of the things that will be revisited in 2021 or whenever Trump is gone. Because, you know, when people have vast discretion to do something and they do it in a way that seems to be abusive or capricious, and I think you know, there may have been some talk about this after Bill Clinton did his pardon of Mark Rich, but at some point people are going to get fed up. And, you know, we haven't seen, we, there's another couple of years of, of pardons we may see issue from the president. And I think one of the reasons we're talking about this is not just because Conrad Black just happened, but because the president has indicated that he wants on an expedited basis, paperwork prepared for the potential pardon on, of all days, Memorial Day, for symbolism, uh, the pardon of one or more Navy SEALs who have been accused with heinous war crimes, you know, really debaucherous, violent, serial killing kinds of allegations. Those allegations have not been resolved. The, you know, the court martial has not happened yet. But on the eve of that happening, Donald Trump has made it clear, because I think these folks have gotten some attention on Fox News and other places, that they may be deserving of a pardon. One of those people we should talk about, Edward Gallagher. Who's Edward Gallagher? He is the special operations chief of the Navy SEALs, and he's about to go to trial on charges of shooting unarmed civilians and killing an enemy captive with a knife while deployed in Iraq. And it's worth noting that other Navy SEALs who served with him have told the authorities that Gallagher indiscriminately shot at civilians, gunned down a 12-year-old girl wearing a flowered hijab, and also gunned down an unarmed old man. And knife to death, according to the allegations, a young man who was in custody and who was being treated for his wounds took out a knife and killed him on the spot. And then texted about it with his friends. And bear in mind, as you point out, and as others have pointed out, his accusers, the witnesses, are not soft liberals who uh, just don't like military action. It's his fellow Navy SEALs who thought that they had a leader who was out of control and shouldn't be on the battlefield. Isn't this all part of the conversation we've been having about the president not following the rule of law and really trying to undercut it? When we think about rule of law and you think about an organization like the U.S. military that gets deployed all over the world, how important it is that people follow the rules and that they follow the laws and the guidelines of how we treat fellow Americans and people from other countries, everyone, humanity. And to allow those violations to go not even unchecked, but almost approved, right? A pardon in a case of somebody yeah. who's about to go to trial for war crimes, Before there's been an adjudication of yes. it. Yes. I mean, and there hasn't even been a trial. There hasn't even been a finding of fact. There hasn't even been a finding of guilt or innocence. In the absence of any kind of adjudication, to decide in advance to pardon someone seems to be particularly troubling. I mean, the, the, guide, the guideline generally that the president doesn't have to follow because he has a constitutional authority to do whatever he wants, but the guideline within the pardon attorney's office is that there has been a finding of guilt, either by guilty plea or conviction, and then some period of time has gone by since that decision. And here, although there have been preemptive pardons in the past, people forget, President Ford preemptively pardoned Richard Nixon right. in, in his mind for the benefit of the country uh, without there having been a charge, without there having been a trial like there would be in this case. So it, it has happened. But that was an extraordinary circumstance. This is not that. I mean, on what earth is it good and just a good message to the troops that 
you know, someone who's been accused of basically killing people in cold blood by his fellow honorable service members, in, in what universe does that advance some good for America? It doesn't. It doesn't. And dishonorable service men and women hurt the honorable service men and women. And also think about commanders trying to basically instill integrity, a sense of justice and fairness in their troops. And I think for questions of order and discipline in the military and just fundamental fairness, it is it is a terrible thing. I mean, one of the reasons that you have punishment for crime is to deter other people, right? And so this is the opposite of that. This is this is undeterrence. It's not only are you taking away a powerful deterrent message to those who would engage in war crimes on the battlefield in the name of America, but you're now effectively saying, another way of what you just said a second ago, you're now effectively saying, you know, go out there, guys, and do what you need to do. And if occasionally you have to stab a kid to death or shoot a girl who's not doing anything and doesn't pose a threat, that's what you got to do for God and country. And we have your back and you're not going to go to prison for it. It's awful. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and become a member. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. <laughs>